This is Backstory. I'm Brian Bella. I'm Ed Ayers. And I'm Peter Onuf. We're marking Columbus Day with a look back at the many makeovers Christopher Columbus has undergone throughout American history. We have a question from one of our listeners that came in on our website. It's from Shane Carter, who teaches history. And Shane says that each year, his students become fascinated by the other Spanish sailors who made their way to North America after Christopher Columbus in the 1500s. People like Cabeza de Vaca and Vasquez de Coronado. Both those guys explored vast stretches of the current-day Southwest. And then, of course, there was Hernando de Soto, who traveled all over what's now the Southeast and was the first known European to cross the Mississippi. Shane writes that, and now I'm going to quote, in order for the U.S. to claim any kind of connection to Columbus, we seem to need to ignore 100-plus years of history. So what do you think, Peter, Ed? Why does Columbus loom so much larger in our national mythology than these Spanish guys? After all, they actually made it to our landmass. You know, when you really do think about it, it is remarkable how little enduring memorialization there is of DeSoto who would have covered more of British North America, what's now British North America, than anybody, right, until Lewis and Clark, and we have no memory of him at all. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, Shane's question's an excellent one, and I wonder if it has something to do with Columbus's uncertain ethnic origins. You know, the fact that he's kind Uh of Italian, uh kind of, he's kind of pan-European. Well, he's Italian, but he's for sale. (laughs) <laughs> and whoever would sponsor him uh, will get the advantage uh, of his enterprise. So that idea that he's up for grabs makes him a kind of European, a generic European. And that's the way he sells himself. I mean, this is a, this is a step. We had steps on the moon for mankind. Well, this is a step into the new world for Christendom, for Europe. And so he's the beginning of everything in this uh, age of the penetration of the new world. And then other national traditions, they become increasingly clearly national traditions, build on that beginning. Well, and it's not just a national tradition in general. And no, Shane's question is, how about these mm-hmm, mm-hmm. guys from Spain? They're the ones who actually come to what becomes the United States. But they come, of course, in the name of the king of Spain. And uh, here we get into dueling imperial histories. What is the United States' claim to North America? It's not based on Spanish discoveries. It's based on, first, on English discoveries, English settlements. And if you acknowledge the discoverers and you say, yeah, they, they were there, they, uh, they planted the flag, it's theirs. No, the British insist that it's open space. It's terra nullius. So in a way, the mapping of the new world leads to our interpretation of its history. I think what's interesting is you'll get more interest in these figures, Coronado, de Soto, de Vaca, and so forth, now as we begin to understand the multi-imperial origins of the United States. Mm. And now that there's a large Hispanic population, then uh, these figures become important, and Columbus fades away. Uh, okay, so what we will expect now is the Hispanicization of discovery, yep. right? You yeah. are so right. You know, Brian, I think you were probably on the cutting edge of historical reclamation. Uh, I think as <laughs> listeners to our shows know that you are a proud native of uh, Southern Florida. Was there any sense of this sort of Spanish era 
in, in your childhood? You bet there was, Ed. I went to Ponce de Leon Junior High School in Carl oh, Gables, Florida. Well, that's why you're so youthful. Eternally. Uh, and even before that, in elementary school, the history curriculum emphasized DeSoto far more than Christopher Columbus. We were very proud of those uh, Spanish explorers and conquistadors. And I'm not even going to tell you about my Toreador pants. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have been proud if you were a little bit older than you are now and were born in the 19th century. It's only in the 20th century that uh, new uh, regional traditions emerged in the United States to reinforce the notion of the United States as a great power. The California missions, the Southwest, the borderlands, all became Spanish in the national imagination in the 20th century, long after they really were Spanish in any sense of the word. Yeah, after we'd actually established that we owned all that. Yeah, sure, put yeah, up an yeah. adobe house here or there. Right? <laughs> That's exactly true. It's a, it's a tourist scam. Think of Santa Fe. It's yeah. make-believe. It's Disneyland before its time. So it sounds like to me that Shane makes a really good point, is that we do kind of ignore this 100 years because we're not exactly sure what to do with it. You know, precisely because it does have historical content. It's like, oh, man, that opens up a lot of issues. Let's just go from Columbus to the Puritans and forget all that stuff that happened in between. 